The Pelicans are 2-0 since the All-Star break, including an absolute drubbing of the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, that was so much fun. Let's break down what's different in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Monday. Happy Lundi Gras to you all, hence why the show is a little bit late today. But you knew there was going to be something after the Pelicans absolutely wrecked the Los Angeles Lakers Sunday night on the road. Was that the most satisfying win you've seen in a really, really long time with this Pelicans team? That can be the YouTube question for today. Let me know in the comments below. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available five days a week, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. In today's episode of Locked On Pelicans, brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, so normally. On something like this, I'd go chronologically, right? The Pelicans beat the Phoenix Suns on the road. A good win, I thought, on Friday, 117-102, and then played the Los Angeles Lakers Sunday. So usually you go Phoenix Suns, Lakers, whatever the third segment is. That's not going to happen when the New Orleans Pelicans beat LeBron James in the Los Angeles Lakers, 123-95. This game wasn't pretty, and at one point the Pelicans led by as many as freaking 32 That was incredible. New Orleans really found its foothold in the second half. The first quarter, they were a little bit sluggish. Looked like they had some of that L.A. nightlife Saturday night before a Sunday game and came out and just didn't quite seem like themselves. A little bit slow, but they're better than the Lakers. They outworked the Lakers, and this kind of continued through the first half for them to just have a double-digit lead going into halftime good, but they should have been up by significantly more, but you'll take it every time, right? And then the second half starts and they just straight up blitzed the Lakers in the third quarter and more or less put this game to bed within the first five minutes of the third. They outscored the Lakers 44 to 25. They scored something like 16 points in five in the first five minutes of the third quarter. They realized they were better and just straight up outworked, outshot, outdid everything to the Los Angeles Lakers because Oh my God, the Lakers are in trouble. And this bodes well for the future of New Orleans, right? Yeah, LeBron James had 32, but he had seven turnovers. Russell Westbrook, I really like Westbrook, but he's like a shell of him, is of him former self as a player. Seven turnovers, 16 points on 15 shots, five of 15. With just one assist. It's just so unbelievably, horrifically bad that I, I don't even know what to say. Talon Horton Tucker is basically a worse version of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Austin Reeves is not nearly as good as a guy like Herb Jones. You know, they have to play guys like DeAndre Jordan. It's just, they're, they're a mess. So kind of keep that in mind, right? When we look at this game, New Orleans matches up really well with the Lakers. And they really started to figure a couple of things out. So first, they really got into the flow of their offense and what you hope it would look like. Kind of where's the balance between C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and then a guy like Jonas Valanciunas, who was really key in this game. 
Brandon Ingram in the second quarter just started cooking, both offensively and defensively. He was really good on the defensive side of the ball. Got his mid-range going. That carried over to the third, where it seemed like he really couldn't miss for a little bit. And more or less just put things to bed. You then have CJ McCollum sprinkling in threes and floaters in the mid-range game. And Brandon Ingram finished with 22 points, 8 assists on the night. 5 rebounds. CJ McCollum had 22 points, 8 assists as well. Again, he can be used as a primary ball handler. He's a 3-level scorer, which is going to open things up for teammates. And he can get them the ball. That works. He also made his threes, four of seven. That's including a pull-up in transition. It was awesome. That's exactly what you want to see from this team. So realizing who the hot hand is and letting them go. And then CJ McCollum trying to just kind of fill the holes, right? And there are two assists from Brandon Ingram to CJ. That's for threes that were awesome. When you start to see that they had a couple of practices, they had that dinner that they talked about before the Phoenix Suns game, there's clearly good vibes in team chemistry here. You can see that the offense really starts to flow. And then when the Lakers tried to counter the Pelicans by going small, taking DeAndre Jordan, who's just, who at this point, not great, off the court, they, they did what they needed to do and something they haven't always done this season, which they've gotten away from it. They went to Jonas Valanciunas. They decided to get him the ball, 19 points, 10 rebounds on the night. 19 points, by the way, on 10 shots. Those are really, really strong numbers. So they put LeBron on him down low, and they threw him the ball, and he just pounded away and got the bucket. Just really as simple as that. You know, when they threw someone else on him, like Carmelo Anthony or whoever, he just went and attacked, and the Pelicans realized when there was a mismatch in terms of height there. LeBron's good, don't get me wrong. But you have a guy that, if you go small, will absolutely punish you in Jonas Valanciunas, and the, the Pelicans did it. They did basically in this one exactly like what you would want. Everyone else really stepped up too, particularly in that second half. Jackson Hayes, starting, played 30 minutes, 11 points, 9 rebounds, including just like going at LeBron James in isolation. Like the confidence to be like, I'm going to post this dude up and score over the greatest of all time or one of the two greatest of all time, depending on where you fall in that argument. Wonderful. Herb Jones had an off shooting night, 4 of 12 for 11 points, and we don't even care. And the Pelicans won by 30 because he's so good defensively that he was giving LeBron James fits throughout the entirety of the evening. And now the bench is a little bit more settled because, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, Willie Green has finally found a good rotation and cut a little bit of that dead weight, mainly being just Garrett Temple, right? Tony Snell, nine points off the bench, including three of five shooting. He's shooting over 40% since the trade uh, to send him to New Orleans. Devontae Graham can go and get you 12 points, and you're not worried about some of the inefficiencies that he has of going just two for six from three because he's taking shots away from guys like Gary Clark or Najee Marshall, and that's all right. Najee was two of eight. You probably don't want him shooting a ton. And then you finally have Jose Alvarado back in the rotation. He just had, in this one, four points, but of all the bench guys, the second highest plus minus. He's an impactful player on the defensive side of the ball and organizes people offensively forces for him. This was a game that the Pelicans should have won by like 10 points very easily. It's nice to see that they just did it in the fashion that they should have. Just completely dominant, doing exactly what they should have been doing. Lakers are a bad matchup. And look, given they own their future, essentially, 
get those wins. Those are kind of important. So coming up, let's talk about the Phoenix Suns one and what they did differently there, how they managed to pull that one off, because that's a significantly better team than the Los Angeles Lakers are. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. If you want to try and stick to your New Year's resolution of eating healthier, Built Bar is a great tool to have in your chest there. If you have sugar cravings, anything like that, grab a Built Bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, but they're good for you. Significantly better than a candy bar, any of that processed refined sugar, any of the like, super carby snacky things that you might eat. It's not going to be better for you than a Built Bar. So you may as well eat the healthy option that actually tastes amazing. I eat one of these every single day, basically with lunch. I don't like a big heavy lunch. I eat one of these because they're so they, they look forward to it. They're delicious and they're good for you. So go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, and you're gonna be blown away. 130 calories, four grams sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So before or after a workout for breakfast, when you just need a snack, whatever it might be, I travel a lot for work. I keep these things on my bag on the road for when I'm just hungry. They're an awesome option, and all the flavors are so good. Mint brownie, white chocolate, cookies and cream. The churro puff bar, which is like a light, airy, marshmallowy type of protein bar, they're awesome. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off over at built.com. All right, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. You can't get that kind of context with the box score. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so that was the second of the two wins for the Pelicans after the All-Star break. Everyone looking good, really getting into a groove and figuring out what needs to be done. The first game was honestly basically the same thing. Beating the Phoenix Suns 117-102 with caveat here that there was no Chris Paul for the Phoenix Suns. He's really key to that. He's not going to be in the MVP conversation, but you could easily argue that he should be. But this was, they're still a quality team without him, right? They still have Devin Booker. They have DeAndre Ayton and McCall Bridges, right? They have a ton of guys that are just good. And they're a really well-coached team. They're the best team in the Western Conference in the NBA. There's a reason why. And the Pelicans beat them by 15. And this one, even though Phoenix made it close at times, wasn't really, in my opinion, all that close. Basically, New Orleans just took control in the second half and ran away with it after weathering a storm from the Suns at the end of the first half. Brandon Ingram, awesome. 28 points, 9 of 17 shooting. Got to the line a ton. In fact, in this one, New Orleans got to the line 41 times. Luckily, they shot above 80% and made 30 of them. That was a big part of this. Brandon Ingram was just aggressive. Right, And they had no answer for him other than trying to foul him. You don't always see that from him. So in the first game post-All-Star break, after the dinner meeting with the team and Willie and CJ McCollum and trying to figure out all how to be better, he went out and just kind of led by example and did it. 28 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. Awesome. Jackson A's nine points was just solid in limited minutes in that starting role. I said, I don't know before the All-Star break, Ended. I don't know if you could start him necessarily like the entirety of the season. He's not great at defending there, but he does give you like very high energy play. And I think in limited minutes, you definitely want to at least run him at the four with Jonas Valanciunas. If it's him starting, you kind of pull him first. Yeah, that's fine. And it feels like a guy 
uh, like Larry Nance Jr., who's back with the team and practicing and going through some stuff, should be able to really also give you a lot of depth in this area to kind of run some of those guy at the four lineups alongside Valanciunas that really seems to work. That's like a proper four or five in a sense, right? Herb Jones didn't make a shot in this one. Yet he was still a plus four because he gave Devin Booker a really hard time. Booker got his 30 points, but it took him uh, 24 shots to do it. That's not unbelievable efficiency Four turnovers too. Not on Herb is very much a real thing. He's probably hitting a bit of a rookie wall even after the All-Star break in terms of just exhaustion and having played significantly more games at this point now than he ever did in college. And this is common, particularly for guys who played four years. But he's still being an impactful player, right? So even if his offense isn't going due to legs, things like that, he's still really good and really helping you out. And he doesn't need to be, especially with C.J. McCollum, right? You don't need him to have a good offensive game. It's just not nearly as important as it was before. And so that takes some of the pressure off him to just go be Herb and do what Herb does best, which is defend. And then you would C.J. McCollum in this one. Again, excellent game from him. 32 points. Only two made threes, right? He got to the line. You never saw this aggression from him in Portland. He also never played with guys that were going to the line like this outside of Damian Lillard. Valanchunas pounding down low. 18 and 17 in this one, right? Being a th that threat there really helps. Punishes when they took Aiton out of the lineup and put someone else in there like JaVale McGee, who was a minus 12. All of that was really working for New Orleans. And then the bench still stepping up. Tony Snell, another nine, point, uh, another nine points in this one, right? Three of five. Then you had Devontae Graham with 11. Again, not the most efficient. Well, he was good in this one. He was efficient, right? F going to the line five times because New Orleans was just aggressive going downhill and attacking, right? But you can have him go two of six, and it's not going to hurt you nearly as much because he's not taking shots away from guys that need to be making shots. Jose Alvarado didn't score plus 15. Like, I don't love individual plus minus, but like this one tells a bit of a story here. Again, he's an impactful player on defense, organizing guys offensively too, and just you win when he's out there. So the fact that he wasn't in the rotation for two, three games basically leading into the all-star break and the rotations were a mess with the in terms of who was playing was like coaching malpractice nearly by Willie Green. But he figured it out. No Garrett Temple in this one. Still no Trey Murphy or Gary Clark, really, but that's okay because at least you're not getting Garrett Temple minutes and Tony Snell has definitely been a positive player for you. Najee Marshall is starting to figure things out a little bit too. He's been getting more run. You see him being a little bit more active. And so Willie Green is going with the guys that are at least, like, not horrible. Given where things were with the rotation before, like, I'll take it. Again, I'd like to see more Trey Murphy. But if it's Tony Snell over him right now, I, I can live with that, right? And in theory, Larry Nance Jr. comes back in, which is probably going to push someone out, maybe Hernan Gomez, maybe Najee Marshall, and it depends on, you know, if he's one of the first subs in for Jackson Hayes playing the four, but he's more of a small ball five than a four. That This will change again, but look, they're doing a lot of the right things now, and that's why they're 2-0 and with a chance to go to 3-0 and with a Wednesday game against the Sacramento Kings. So I think there are really good options for New Orleans going forward. And you can see why people are high on this team. CJ is great. He is starting to coexist 
once they worked him in with Brandon Ingram. Let's talk about all this stuff going forward because it's kind of fun to be a Pelicans fan today. Beating the Lakers like that is is pretty great. Their their fans are rightfully so melting down because that team is just bad, like really really bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kind of how it goes. All right, that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to that though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by BetOnline.net. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. So for the latest odds, totals, and player props. Go to betonline.net. It's the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC. And you can go to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Over at betonline.net, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review with a comment, and tell a friend about the show as well. That helps keep this free in five days a week for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. We've done the Zion stuff last week. We're doing on-court stuff this week because they're rolling and they are looking good. So you started to see, particularly in that Lakers game, some things that New Orleans are really good at and should be doing more of. In that Lakers game, particularly because the Lakers really helped them out with this by having 23, let me let me pull that box score back up, 23 turnovers, I think, which is just, God, they're so, like, I don't know what happened at Westbrook, but it's kind of sad, right? 23 turnovers for the Lakers in this one. And New Orleans went out and ran off of all of those. New Orleans got 22 points, or sorry, 25 points out of the 23 turnovers. They were trying to run, and this this was better in the first half as opposed to the second half, where some of those were just like out-of-bounds throws and things like that. But New Orleans got 26 points in the fast break. Basically, because of all of those turnovers, they were able to get out and just run with a man advantage. You haven't seen them do that a ton this year. They have the people to be able to do it, but they don't always play particularly fast part of that is because the defense hasn't been amazing at times throughout the year though it's starting to kind of creep and be a little bit better but they've largely been a slower team yeah there's that 0.5 mentality the 0.5 second mentality that you know Willie Green wants you to have and play with but you wouldn't call them fast that's more about making decisions than anything else But you saw them play fast and loose in this game against the Lakers, really realizing that they have a lot of like good ball, like good enough ball handlers at multiple positions. B.I. can get a rebound and go. C.J. can get a rebound and go. Even Jackson Hayes can get a rebound and go. Herb Jones can get a rebound and go. You can push the pace and you can push in transition, particularly against teams that turn the ball over and that are a little bit slow and aging. And, you know, LeBron not getting back on calls. Uh, or because he wanted to complain to the ref, same for Carmelo Anthony too, he wanted to celebrate instead of actually defending the fast break, take advantage of that. And I think you started to see New Orleans maybe kind of had the light bulb go off, being like, oh yeah, we can run against teams and have some fun and easy scores in transition because everyone can kind of handle the ball to a certain degree, right? And I think you'll see this more. I think you're going to see that be a point of emphasis for Willie Green, you have some people who make really good and smart decisions out there. And so I think that's something that hopefully we'll be able to see more of because one, it's easy points. You don't need to worry about half court set defenses then. I think that's always a wonderful thing. 
you have a shooter in CJ who can pull up in transition and nail threes, which are just back-breaking shots. So all of that leads to me thinking that this offense is going to start to get pretty lethal and very, very good very soon. And that should scare teams in the play-in tournament because New Orleans, despite all the Zion drama that we went through last week, is like right in the middle of this and looking pretty good in this right now, I think, and probably feeling pretty good. And this is a team that should be peaking by the play-in tournament. This is a team that should be playing their best basketball at that point and have had figured some things out and should have Larry Nance Jr. back. And they're currently in the 10th spot now. They're two and a half games back of the Lakers for nine. Not that that changes much. I doubt they could get to seven or eight. In fact, I don't think they could. But you could get to nine and there's like a psychological benefit, I think, associated with that too. You're playing the eighth seed then as opposed to the seventh even. And it's the Clippers, right? The Pelicans match up very well with this Clippers team. So I think they're going to be feeling pretty good today. They're going to be hopefully feeling pretty good on Wednesday as well. All right, that's going to do it. This episode of Locked On Pelicans, fun two wins over the weekend, getting everything back on track after the All-Star break. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and we'll be back with you all. Yeah, we'll have a show on Mardi Gras Day. I don't know if there's going to be a show on Wednesday, though. We'll see. All right, thank you all for listening. I'll be back with you all next time.